Orthodox Journey. A missionary activity of the Greek Orthodox Christian Society, working under the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia, presents Ascending the Ladder, a series on St. John Climacus's Ladder of Divine Ascent. Ascending the Ladder seeks to explore the spiritual gems found in this traditional Lenten reading. On this episode of Ascending the Ladder, Mrs. Helen Magdus takes a closer look at the virtue of obedience, which is the fourth step of the ladder. Even though this amazing work, The Ladder of Divine Ascent, was written for monastics, it can be useful for us living in the world. St. John, who wrote the ladder, warns us that all who wish to live their life according to the Gospels are faced with intense challenges. This applies for all of us, both monastics and lay people. When you read this book, you may be tempted to lay it to the side as too difficult. You become very aware of the distance between the ideal of what we see in the ladder and the reality of how we live our lives. But the ladder of divine ascent is a call to arms, a call to fight the good fight against our passions, our sins and our weaknesses, and a reminder to all of us that a Christian is an imitator of Christ in thought, word and deed as far as this is humanly possible. Today's podcast is on step four, and it is titled On Blessed Obedience. St. John uses a variety of strong and effective images to describe the virtue of obedience. He begins by urging us to be warriors and athletes of Christ and to take up our weapons. One of the weapons that we can use in our spiritual warfare is the shield of faith in God and faith in our trainer. By trainer, he means for monastics, their superior or abbot, and for lay people, it means our spiritual father. With this weapon, in other words, with the help of our spiritual father, we will ward off every thought of unbelief 
and every tendency to vacillate and to become spiritually unstable. St. John then refers to the sword of the Spirit, by which we can slay every selfish wish. And then, clad in an iron armour of meekness and patience, we will learn, with the help of our spiritual father, to avert every insult, every injury and missile. Finally, he mentions the helmet of salvation, which represents the prayers of our spiritual father. St. John warns us that everyone who enters the battle arena needs to be prepared for an onslaught. Once the enemy sees that we are prepared to fight, then he will unleash an attack. Usually the enemy leaves us alone if we are lazy or indifferent about fighting. But when the forces of the enemy see us taking up the king's colours and the shield and the dagger and the sword and the bow and clad in soldier's garb, then they gnash at us with, our teeth, with their teeth and do all in their power to destroy us. St John then advises us on developing the habit of distrusting our opinions and opposing our self-will. This is what monastics train themselves every day to do in their monasteries, but it is advice that we need as well. The road of obedience, he says, is like deciding to travel by a short but rough way. Those who reject their self-will entirely, even in things that seem to be good and spiritually and pleasing to God, have reached the end before setting out on their journey. What an effective image. In other words, by renouncing our self-will, even though it may at first be painful, in effect, it saves us years of suffering. We reach the end before even setting out on the journey. St. John concludes this point by saying, for obedience is distrust of oneself in everything, however good it may be, right up to the end of one's life. This is a challenge for us because we tend to put so much faith in ourselves and rely on our own opinions and our own thinking in everything. St. John makes a point that those who have the tendency in conversations with others to insist on their own opinions are spiritually sick. And if they have the habit of insisting when in the presence of older and wiser people, then he warns that their sickness may be humanly incurable. St. John's advice on obedience is incomprehensible to many of us and will seem impossible to achieve. In reality, however, Without obedience, our spiritual journey is difficult, dangerous and without direction. We may do many good things. We may fast and pray and attend services. But if there is lacking in us the humility and goodwill to obey, then all these things will not bear spiritual fruit. This kind of obedience does not destroy our personality or our identity. Rather, it leads to a more whole personality because to freely obey and be guided by the judgment of someone wiser does not mean that you have no judgment or that you can't think for yourself. Rather, it means that you seek to perfect your own judgment and to improve your thinking. In one sense, it may be true that through obedience we cease to be an individual, but we become something much more, something better. We become a person, a person who does not isolate them 
themselves from God and others through pride and stubbornness, but a person who loves God and others and lives and works in close communion with them. If you love me, Christ says, keep my commandments. Obedience is the measure of our love for him. So what are the results of this obedience? St John writes, Just as trees swayed by the wind drives their roots deeply into the earth, so those who live in obedience become strong and unshakable. But the main result for obedience, as demonstrated in this chapter, is humility. St John writes, There I have seen men who have spent some 50 years in obedience, and when I asked them to tell me what consolation they had gained from so great a labour, some of them replied that they had attained to deep humility with which they had permanently repelled every assault. The Ladder of Divine Ascent is full of the stories of individual monastics encountered by St John and related by him for the benefit of all. Perhaps the most memorable in this chapter on obedience is the story of Isidore. A certain man called Isidore, who was a magistrate from the city of Alexandria, had recently renounced the world and sought to become a monk. The abbot, after accepting him, found that he was full of mischief, very cruel, sly, fierce and arrogant. But with human ingenuity, the wise abbot contrived to outwit the cunning of the devils and said to Isidore, If you have decided to take upon yourself the yoke of Christ, then I want you, first of all, to learn obedience. Isidore replied, As iron to the smith, so I surrender myself in submission to you, Holy Father. The Great Father said, I want you, brother, to stand at the gate of the monastery and to make a prostration to everyone coming in or going out and to say, Pray for me, Father, I am an epileptic. And Isidore immediately obeyed as an angel obeys the Lord. When he had spent seven years at the gate of the monastery, he attained to deep humility and compunction. Then the abbot, seeing this man's incomparable patience, judged him fully worthy to be numbered among the brethren and wanted to ordain him as a monk. But Isidore implored the abbot to let him finish his course as he was living, vaguely hinting that his end was near. And that was actually the case. Ten days later, in his lowliness, he passed gloriously to the Lord. And on the seventh day after his own falling asleep, the porter of the monastery was also taken. For Isidore had said to him, If I have found favour in the sight of the Lord, in a short time you also will be inseparably joined to me there. The porter, who was Isidore's fellow traveller, a witness of his obedience and divine humility, died just as Isidore had indicated. When Isidore was still living, St John asked him how he had occupied himself during his time at the gate. In the beginning, Isidore said, I judged that I had been sold into slavery for my sins, and so it was with bitterness, with a great effort, and as it were with blood, that I made the prostrations. But after a year had passed, my heart no longer felt sorrow, 
and I expected a reward for my obedience from God himself. But when another year had gone by, I began to be deeply conscious of my unworthiness even to live in the monastery and see and meet the fathers and partake of the divine mysteries. And I did not dare to look anyone in the face, but bending low with my eyes and still lower with my thought, I sincerely asked for the prayers of those coming in and going out. This is truly an amazing story and beneficial for all of us. In many ways, it describes the journey of our life on this earth and our spiritual journey. We begin this journey with the hope and optimism, courage and resolve to conquer. And we are confident mainly in our own powers. As iron to the smith, so I surrender myself, said Isidore. Soon we realise that the road is fraught with pain and suffering. And as Isidore indicated, with bitterness, with a great effort, and as it were with blood, we progress. Then we may reason that all this pain and suffering will bring us the reward of heaven, future glory and rest. But finally, we may reach a point where we are neither motivated by punishment or reward. The journey of our life humbles us so completely that we do not feel worthy before God or others. Finally, in this chapter, St. John talks at length about welcoming the reproofs and corrections of our spiritual father and of others. He even goes so far as to say that we should choose specifically a spiritual father that will help us uproot our passions, our sins and our weaknesses. In other words, the challenge for us is do we want to feel good or do we want to progress? There are so many passages in this chapter on obedience which describe monks who welcome correction and are distressed if they have it too easy. Many of these stories are a hard read because of the pain, the humiliations and the insults that they experience and yet surprisingly welcome. On reflection, however, this is not so distant from our own world and our own environment. We also constantly deal with people in our homes, extended families and our workplaces where we encounter people who misunderstand us, hurt us, insult us, criticise us and correct us. Instead of viewing these situations as opportunities, we lash out, we take revenge, complain, hold grudges, become bitter and angry or feel sorry for ourselves. But we have the ability to transform this hell into a heaven if, like the monastics described by St John, we welcome these moments as a means to learn humility, to learn about ourselves and an opportunity to forgive. In conclusion, St John urges us to fight courageously. Keep at it, brother athletes, and I will say it again, keep running as you hear wisdom declaring, as gold in the furnace, the Lord has tried me, and as a whole burnt offering has he received me. Athlete, keep running fearlessly. Oh,
enjoyed this edition of Orthodox Journey. To keep up to date with our podcasts, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or head to orthodoxjourney.com where you can find even more Orthodox talks, sermons and podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram and view more content on the Greek Orthodox Christian Society YouTube channel. Music